0: Praise the Lord. How many experienced that? Amen. You know it's true, huh? Amen. By experience. It's something that we can read about other people's experiences and things that they go through and then talk about what God does for them and helps them, but when we go through it ourselves. Anybody that's ever had a pain or an ache or a certain thing, you know, and you turn in a prayer request, remember Sister so-and-so, she's having a kidney stone. Well, if you've had one, you say, oh, God. Pneumonia or cancer or, you know, heart problems. Don't you understand that's why he had to come? And become part of our, our race as a human being. So whenever your name is mentioned or your prayer request comes up, that he can say, I know how that feels. I know how that feels. Makes me love him so much. Amen. Amen. We're going to pray uh, Sister Brenda Thompson, which uh, used to attend our assembly here and now moved down to South Carolina to Brother Jason's. She's been diagnosed with uh, melanoma as well as Brother Ron. And uh, <clears throat> her treatments are going to be starting tomorrow. So she wanted us to uh, remember her in prayer that the Lord would just be with her and help her. And he has a need today in your life before the Lord. Oh my goodness. Hundreds and hundreds of them. Let's just pray together. Lord Jesus, you told us in your word. If any two on earth agree as touching anything, it shall be done. Again, it's written, delight thyself also in the Lord. And he will give thee the desires of thine heart. Again, it's written, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. Ask what you will, and it shall be done." No doubt, Father, we've asked many times, and it was selfish or out of the will of God, but we're trying to do better with that. We're trying to pray with wisdom and understanding Lord, we bring these needs and requests of your children before the throne of grace today. You saw the hands that were uplifted, Father, and no doubt the needs were as diverse as the people who lifted their hands. Lord, we want to call Sister Brenda Thompson's name before you today. You see, Lord, what the doctors had said, that she'd had that several years ago, and apparently her immune system had been fighting it on its own, but it just became overwhelmed, and it spread out. <clears throat> but, Father, we're just asking you for your divine intervention for our sister, yes. Amen. that you would help her. She's starting her treatment tomorrow. We ask, Lord, that you would just help the doctors as they deal with her Lord, they might be able to treat this and and do something else and remove a bad part, but still all healing comes from you. So we're just trusting you, Lord, for our sister. As we approach the word today, we pray that once again you would enlighten us by your understanding. We know that we can read the Bible and we can read the message and we can be able to try to study it. But we understand that the true enlightenment comes by the Holy Ghost. So, would you speak to us today, Father, that we might better understand the warfare that we're in, that we might be able to comprehend what you've come to do for us. Grant it, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we ask it. Amen. God bless you. Let's turn it again to Philippians chapter 2 again today. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. I'd like to speak to you again today on Satan, the opposite of kenosis. Satan, the opposite of kenosis. Kenosis, of course, is the emptying out or God's own being being transformed and reduced to meaner circumstances or lower ranks. Satan don't understand such things. Lower is not his cup of tea. Uh, Humbling and humility and uh, all of that, no, he don't understand nothing about it. He, he, he don't humble himself and he doesn't understand why you crazy people would even want to. Because if you just follow him, he would give you everything you'd ever want. Or at least that's what he lies to you and tells you. But this is what we choose. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. But made himself of no reputation, took upon him the amorphae of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, which you'll never catch the devil ever doing. And became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. May the Lord bless his word. You may be seated. In my mind, I read about Satan and his um, position that he was given. It's hard for me to comprehend, understand a being that was the greatest person in heaven outside of God. Almost coequal with God, he was brilliant, he was bright, he was even beautiful, which seems odd for the male aspect. Um, he was given a place of a a very great notable position, but it was not quite noble enough was it His desire was beyond his own scope of creation of what God had designated him to be. So he wanted to be higher than he was, higher than he was made to be, in order to be brought into a self-gratification because his pride was actually self-generated. God never created pride. God never created sin. Sin is not a creation. But God left it so that sin could actually become a perversion. We know that uh, a man loving a woman, a woman loving a man in the right circumstances and being married and that which takes place between them is holy and sacred. Same thing take place between the same man and another woman, sinful, abomination, the eyes of God. So it's truth and righteousness which becomes perverted. And we know that Satan is certainly the magistrate of perversion. Isaiah catches him as he is the spirit which dwells in the the king in this dispensation where Isaiah is writing. So he, he writes to the spirit which is in the king which has become the personification of the devil himself. Now remember it's not a head demon as it will be in the tribulation period but it was actually Lucifer himself which had got inside this king. And as we said it last night, the same thing repeats again years later as it happens in Ezekiel 28. And he says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down, cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, And the word there is soul because it doesn't have a pumping organ like we do because it doesn't have blood. He's not a mortal, but he is a spirit being. Set in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation. Congregation? 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 I will also sit on the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. Believe it or not, Satan loves church. As a matter of fact, he loves it more than some church folks do. He loves church. Now, it's not that he loves it for what he can get out of it, but for the trouble, the havoc, the disobedience, whatever more that he can cause, he loves going to church. He loves going to church and causing folks to have hard feelings with one another and, you know, cause one to feel like, you know, this one don't like them or the preacher's throwing that at him or whatever and, you know, he loves to sit on our shoulders and I imagine all of us at one time or another has had a little rocking chair right there, maybe one over here and the devil just sits there and that song was sung right at you and the preacher said this to you, come on now don't act like y'all ain't never been there and done that. He loves going to church because he knows that people are very vulnerable. I hope you understand this, they become very vulnerable in one sense when they go to church because their spirits are tapped into. Their minds become very opened. Their being becomes a resonance to where they're able to receive either good or bad when they go to church. So if they go there and they don't really put forth much of an effort, yet they're an open, open being like a sponge. So whenever they are there, he'll go to talking to them. Others will go to talking to them. And they might get shunned, you know, as they come in the front door or something like that. And they become so vulnerable and so touchy. People are so touchy when they come to church. Well, that's not always a bad thing, but it shows that you've come to get something, and you're open, and you're very touchy when you come to church. Oh, my goodness. And that's why the people can get their feelings hurt at church worse than anywhere else. You go to Walmart, you're like a block wall. You're as hard as a piece of titanium. You come to church and you're just like a spoonful of honey. You're just running all over everything and oozing out and just, and you get your feelings hurt at church. The preacher preaches on you, you get mad. The volume's a little bit too loud on the organ or the the piano or whatever more. And you go to Walmart and they're blasting that rock and roll and you don't open your mouth about it. You go back and get what you want and go out in the car and leave and never say one thing. And they have assaulted you with one man loving another man's wife. They have assaulted you with alcohol and everything else and you don't even say one word about it. Why? Because you're more vulnerable when you come to the house of God. And remember, we're not dealing, our battle today is not with flesh and blood, but it's principalities and powers and spiritual rulers in high, which is heavenly places. So we're dealing with a, an innumerable, let me say it this way, we have an innumerable myriad was the word that was used in the book of Daniel. It was myriads of myriads, also in Psalm 68, of the chariots of the Lord so they are myriads of myriads which is ten thousands and thousands which basically equals up to where it's innumerable but they also have on the opposite side many many which have fallen away from the presence of God and when they fell away they yielded their authority their power their spiritual persuasion under the new king which was Lucifer What's this? The prophet, we'll pick it up from last night. He says, the, great, the first great first battle that was ever fought began in heaven. When Michael and his angels fought against Lucifer and his angels, it first started, the first battle was in heaven, so sin did not originate on earth, it originated in heaven. Then it was thrown down from heaven and cast out of heaven to the earth and fell on human beings." Fall on human beings and the battle from angels become human battles. So if the battle became from human battles, God knew there's no way humans by themselves can ever face such a thing. So God placed up the hierarchy of the angelic beings which did not fall as they would be assistance to the people of God on the earth. They would help them in the time of distress. They would actually move on political men and make them change laws for the benefit of God's people. God has destroyed nations, obliterated them off of the face of the earth because they got in the way of God's children. God has destroyed kings. God has annihilated palaces and provinces and kingdoms simply because they got in the way of his children. So I'm just warning every devil out of hell today, you better watch out. Hallelujah. Oh, you realize there's some tribes, some kings, some nationalities, some people that are only mentioned in the canon of the Old Testament Scripture simply because they were a negative force that Satan used against the people of God. Their names would have never even been known. I want you to trace for me to this day if you can. The generations and the DNA and the genealogy and bring it up to me to a modern, people which are the Amorites, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Canaanites, the Philistines, many many more that I could name. Where are they today? Non-existent. Why? They got in the way of God's children. And it's only a matter of time to those today who get in your way will be destroyed by the atomic bomb and you will walk out on their ashes in the Millennium. So it's not good to get in the way of God's children when they're growing and progressing in the program of God. Now we cannot of course fight such battles as the prophet said here happened. And he said Satan come to destroy God's creation. What God had created to be for himself. He, Satan come to destroy this. That's his purpose he said was to destroy it. Then the battle began on earth and began in us. Now notice he places the battle that it actually somehow comes in us So in the beginning of course when Adam and Eve was on the earth and Satan had been kicked out and he was allowed to come upon the earth actually before Adam was here, Satan walked on the earth. We know that day on Calvary that the prophet tells us that when the earth was in its volcanic state, so when God had formed the earth and the Logos was moving over the earth and the cylinder of ice began to melt and of course there was a great atmosphere of moisture that hung over the earth, there was a canopy that the Bible calls it the firmament which was above the heavens. And it was a canopy, a moisture canopy that held over the earth once God began to dry back. But initially it was an ice ball hanging there, and the logos moved upon this ice ball, and it began to bring it closer to its position where it would be focused in the in the closeness of the earth to the sun. We know that the earth itself hangs and it has this great star which will come out by night and another by day. And the one that by night, of course, you know was the moon average two hundred and thirty eight thousand miles from the earth and God placing the Sun way beyond that because of the opulence of the heat and the amount of things that comes out of it and the earth was hanging there out of its perfect place so covered with ice after God begin to use it again and the Logos begin to move upon the earth and bring the earth closer to the place it should be as it did the ice begin to melt and cut down through Colorado and what would be Montana and on down through Arizona and begin to to cut out the great canyons and caverns of the the great Grand Canyon as we know to this day as it began to belch the volcanic ash and it spewed out and the prophet tells us that Satan actually got up on the earth and he walked around on the earth so he was actually here he somehow knew that God had projected a special love toward this planet planet earth and he foot footprints means possession so here he is he walks upon the earth and that he is he's wanting to try to claim it as his own then as he watches as God unfolds more of the creation and then he sees the height of God's creation on the earth which he was in heaven and he sees God as he places a man on the earth and Satan desires to have this earth as his own he never tries to meet this man on his own and initially this battle was not in man but it was exterior from man so it was something that came from the outside to try to get to man but eventually something happened to where that man had this battle inside of him wonder what it was well of course it's when the seed lines which are separate up to genesis 6 become mixed now before that we see the murderers the liars the folks that made you know the metallurgical inserts and all of those types of things those that specialized in perverted music and all that they was on one side and and the seed of god was on the other side Side. But in Genesis 6, then they begin to mix together. So we find the murders in one strain, the idolaters in one strain, adulterers in one strain, polygamists in one strain. But after Genesis 6, we find out here's a prophet of God by the name of Moses, and we find that murdering strain inside of him. Where'd he get that at? Right. Praise the Lord. We find Jacob, a low-down, rotten, sorry deceiver. Where'd he get that at? Well, let me bring it on down. Where'd you get it at? Hallelujah! God to this day does not have a separate natural a separate natural genetic line that there is a natural seed of God on the earth and a natural serpent seed on the earth. There is no such a thing. But yet inside of us, even when we are regenerated, is the very mirrored image of the Garden of Eden. On the inside, the soul being born of the Spirit of God, it is fathered by the second Adam. But guess what? On the outside is still this part right here, which is not regenerated. As I've been mentioning to you, I'm going to say it again, give up on the idea of human perfection and focus on human subjection because you're never going to perfect this body, I don't care how hard you try. If you go to wherever you want to go and live all by yourself and there's no cigarettes and there's no alcohol and there's no sin around you and you're the only one there, guess what? You just destroyed your paradise once you arrived. Because you took your body and your body has this ability to think negative thoughts and to say negative things and there ain't nobody else on the island. And before long, you'll be complaining to yourself and you'll be growling and grumpy and arguing and debating and there ain't a soul there but you and you're in total misery with that perfect person that you thought you were. So guess what, friends, we need to change. And we don't need just to go back to young people. We need to go back to young people, all right. But we need to be changed. And that's what God's going to do. Now, what's this? And I will restore it. We notice that Satan in the beginning, in the origin, the prophet said, back in the initial, notice how he words this, back in the initial condition. The initial condition. He was full of pomp. Now, notice he was not full of curse words. He was not full of alcohol. He was not full of cigarette smoke. He was not full of amber. The devil would stand up there with a pack of Copenhagen in his pocket, you know, and a big chew of apple tobacco in the back, and Satan standing there with amber running out of his mouth, spitting on the side. You don't find the devil chewing uh, chewing tobacco. He's smarter than that. But he's full of pomp. Now, you see, this is what really makes it very difficult because people do not believe this is worldliness. It was the original worldliness. Notice now how he identifies this pomp. He was full of pomp. He wanted something, a better kingdom than Michael, so he goes over to the north and sets him up a kingdom greater, more beautiful. Do you see how beauty is deceitful? Hardly no amens on that. Even from some of you ugly folks. My goodness. I figured some of you ugly folks that said amen, amen, Thank you, brothers. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Notice Satan dwells in beauty. What did he try to do in the beginning? Make a more beautiful kingdom than Michael's was. He could not excel now in power. He could not excel in excellent glory. But he could excel in beauty. He moved over in the north and took two-thirds of the angels with him. Again in future home. We'll try to bring that back to show who is Satan and what he did, where he come from, what's his purpose, and how his great beauty that was given him caused his fall. His great beauty. Now, God cannot make him fall. But God can gift him with such excellency knowing that the excellency of his gift will override his humility. It takes real humility for a tremendous gifted person to ever stay straight with God. Whether they are a singer, whether they are a preacher, whether they're talented to speak or talented to do whatever it is. Come on now, you know it's the truth. Look at how many of the famous country music singers of this day and have been from the 50s and 60s and all that since country music come into view and then the rock and roll and all of that and you look at many of them and you know where they learned to sing? Church! Church! And then they start reaching out a little bit. Of course, they're trying to reach out for the young people. That always amazes me whenever you hear them say that. They're trying to reach out for the young people. And you watch somebody that's in gospel music. And they go to being really talented and people really enjoy it. And then they make their first album for the young people. Rock and roll. Oh, they still sing about Jesus, but the beat is all different. and You know, the, the people on their album covers you know, look basically like beatniks or, or rock and roll guys. Come on, saints. So what are they doing? They've already started moving now because now their gift, they're just going to, you know, if they stay little like that, they'll just have a certain size audience still to appeal to, that, you know, more the conservative southern type of people. That, you know, well, we want to reach out. Yeah, reach out. Let's reach out out and see what we can do. Let's see if we can tap into the young people. How many of them ever come back once they ever do that? But they keep on going farther and farther and farther and farther. And it's the same way that Satan did that he designed, I oh, always desired this great thing. I, you know, God, God, God is limiting me. I'm limited. God will not let me come to my full potential. I can never be all I want to be and all I know I am I know I'm more than this. But as long as God's here in heaven, I'll never be able to be the great me. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you, that spirit ain't dead. I might as well bring it on down. It's right here this morning. Notice the choosing of a bride in the beginning. We find that Satan was so beautiful till he deceived angels. Now, apparently, this is a beauty that we don't quite understand. Um, You know, you're saying looking at an angel and it would be beautiful and it would render deceit. So in in the descriptive terms used, it must be something more. Superlative than what you and I think when we think about beauty and we look at a house and oh that's such a beautiful house, and, oh it's such a beautiful car, and, oh that's a beautiful stream, and that's a beautiful mountain, or that's a beautiful man, or beautiful woman, or this is the, and you think oh, that why would that deceive? How would a mountain that's beautiful deceive or a person that's beautiful? But this one must have been so exceptional. And his beauty, his underlying beauty, tied also to the element of his pomp and his splendor. So he wanted to reflect this beauty that he had over into a kingdom, which would be identified in the north, and it would be more polished, it would have more beauty. Have more appeal. Now, there's no humans there. There's no demons there yet. There's no animals there. There's no nothing like that. The only thing that there is, is angels. So these angels, as they begin to hear this being, and he begins to point out how great he is, how wonderful he is, how magnificent, how outstanding. Oh, my love, self-portrayal. He loves bragging on himself, and how wonderful, and how great. Can't you see when we're bragging on ourselves all the time, who we're anointed by? It ain't the Holy Ghost. His Highness, Mr. Puffiness. He got all puffed up. But Jesus emptied out. He said, I'll go up. But God said, I'll come down. I'll be great. I'll be high. I'll be lifted up. God said, I will stoop so low, I will become a corpse in a tomb. He cannot understand such a thing. Don't you understand? This is one of the things that says people about us. They look at you. Why? why you look at your hair. You could be so much more pretty. You could be so much more beautiful if you get rid of them. Why do you keep going to the skirt church? Why don't you put on a pantsuit? Why don't you put on makeup? Oh, your lips would look so pretty if they was pink and you had black over your eyes and this and that and the other. You've got so much more potential if you want to be rat bait. I agree. Satan is simply placing you on the bait as a trap to trap some man and God's going to make answer for adultery. Don't you understand that's what he does to the majority of the women of the world. They're climbing up on this trap. Like you would set a rat trap or a mouse trap and you put cheese or peanut butter. What's your favorite deal is? Why? You want to catch that mouse. You don't want that mouse in your cupboard. You don't want that mouse in your house. So what do you do? You set a bait trap. Why don't you set a 45 on there cocked? Because he won't go after a 45. He can't relate to a 45. Why don't you set a video camera? He can't relate to it. He relates to something that he smells. Oh, peanut butter drives him nuts. <laughs> and the devil knows by sight of humanity. So what does he do? He goes in the kingdom of sex appeal. The natural unconverted heart actually is a palace, a palace for pride and arrogance. It's like Adonai Bezek of the Old Testament. He was a king that conquered many other kings and rulers. And one of his way of magnifying himself and making himself so great was that he had these kings brought to his house. They cut off their thumbs and they cut off their big toes. And they gathered under his table and he would drop them crumbs like you would your dog.
1: Every day
0: they ate their meat. At this man's table. Y'all don't remember that in your Bible? Okay. Judges 1.7. Adonai Bezek said, Three score and ten kings having their thumbs and great toes cut off. Gathered meat under my table. As I have done. So God hath requited me. And they brought him to Jerusalem. And there he died. In his pride. His arrogance making himself a great man. So he cut off the thumbs of these kings, cuts off the great toes, would not let them sit at his table, but made them come in on their all fours like animals. And he would throw them a bite of this and a bite of that. What was it? His pride, his arrogance. I hope you can understand that the human heart relates in the same way, the unconverted human heart. And that it wants subjects to its pride. So, you know, if you're playing basketball with a person that's full of this type of thing, they cannot stand to be beat. And if you do beat them, they've got 4,700 reasons why you did. They forgot their blood pressure messin', their, their gout is acting up, their lumbago ain't working right, and this ain't right, and they forgot their glasses also, they, they shoulda wore their contacts, and their hair got in the face, and this making that last shot when it shoulda just ripped that net wide open. Just face the facts, you're like all the rest of us, you don't always win. Yeah. But you see, some people's pride, then there they sit on the throne of the table and they will cut off this of morality and they'll cut off that of truth and they cut off that of honesty in order that this will be king over everything else in their life. But God will requite you, remember that. Notice this, the prophet said, if you notice, Lucifer is exactly doing the same thing today that he did at the beginning. See, Lucifer at the beginning wanted to build himself a kingdom which was greater and more beautiful than Michael's kingdom, Christ. He, that was his ambitions, mama, to achieve something like that, and what did he do it by? He took fallen angels who had lost their first estate, he took that to do it with. He's doing it with fallen angels, fallen Lutherans, fallen Methodists, fallen Pentecostals, and let's add one more term, fallen message people, Amen. who lost their original estate. From the word of God. They were given an estate. Angels were given an estate. Now when we think of an estate, we think of a house setting off the side of the road. And you know, a white fence or a black fence going up through there. And the trees are lined up there. And cattle and horses and whatever more. Angels were not given property. Angels were not given homes to live in. But angels were given a dominion to dwell in the light. And when they lost their estate, they are held to this very day and everlasting chains of darkness. But yet God never stripped their ability or their power away from them. Right here this morning, I can feel them already. They're right here in this very service today, but also since the angels of light, so the battle's being set. That's right. So they fell from their estate. How many friends have sat in our church? How many have sat in churches around the message around the world? They used to sit and eat on the table of the word of God. And used to be identified with the message of the hour. But they listened to some floozy somewhere. Or some false prophet in a pulpit. And begin to question this and question that. What they get to today? They lost their estate. Now they're tied up in some organization. It's amazing to me how many of them when they pull away from the message go back to titles, baptism back to father son holy ghost boy it shows where your revelation was don't it they lost their estate but I tell you one thing the bride's estate is still intact amen we've still got the claim on our property we know who our husband's name is and we know we ain't got three husbands we know we got one husband we know our position in Christ Jesus and we know that our estate includes a body change either in rapture form or resurrection and we're not giving it up either. Fallen messengers messengers who once stayed with the Word but sold out their birthrights and join in with the world. The same thing what's the last day and Lucifer is achieving today by men with those spirits in them men with those spirits in them that he did with angels at the beginning fallen angels who kept not the first estate to obey god he's doing the same thing today notice in god of this evil age satan must not call the god of any other age but this age it was his ambition to be like god from the fairy How many wants to be like Jesus? How? How do you want to be like him? You want to heal the sick like him so folks will think you're great. Look, friends, I believe in healing. I believe in miracles. We see it among us. I thank God for it. But remember, the prophet of God said it over and over again. Divine healing is a minor. I believe in miracles, but miracles will not put us in the rapture. There will be all kinds of people that have experienced miracles in their bodies that will not experience the great miracle in their bodies. We believe in miracles and we need them. And I thank God for them. But we don't take the rapture by miracles. We take the rapture by the word. And I'm just talking about the word up here in your head. I'm talking about the word living itself out of your being. That you and the word become one person. Amen. Amen. You and the word become one person. It is more than what you quote, it is more than what you memorize, more than what you read. It is your life. Amen. It is the essence of everything that you are. Amen. Notice this, he reads Isaiah 14 there, but we'll skip that. Let's go down to paragraph 78. It was Satan's ambition to be worshiped like God. He took two-thirds, two-thirds of the stars of heaven, ascended himself above those stars, and preached. So here Satan is the first preacher. Right. Amen. Preached to them and deceived his hearts of him. That's it. All right. That's his ambition. And now he is ready with his careful, selected, educated bride by his own knowledge, all painted up in his deceit of big buildings and big denominations and paints of knowledge and theology and smart and intellectual and educated to deceive the whole world and become a god. That's what he's done. All heading up into the person of the Antichrist which is already crowned the vicar of God by his worldly loving scientific bride. Why in the world does he want a bride? Cause he likes to mimic Jesus. Well, if he's got a worldly loving scientific bride, Jesus has got a world hating faith bride. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. We do not love the cosmos order. That's right. Notice this, he said, dressed up in pomp of intellectual religious education. So he's got her dressed up like him. We can't serve God by pomp. We cannot serve God by pride and arrogance. We must serve God by humility in faith. Amen. Notice that she is made religious like Him, and by his own interpretation of the word of God as He did Eve as his son Cain did. Now let's go back to Isaiah 14:13. "For thou hast said in thine heart, "I will." Here's the beginning of sin. I will Allah. Look at the word ascend. Allah. Allah Allah. Allah. So I guess we see where that religion comes from. I say this. I'm only reading to you the meaning of the word. All you gotta do is click on it and yours will take you to the same place mine did.
1: I will Allah
0: to go up, climb. To go up, go up over. Extend a boundary. Be superior to, yeah? This is why Islam feels like they are the religion of the world, They're the right religion. Don't you be deceived by some of these deceivers who tell you it is a religion of peace. Amen. It is a religion of war. Amen. It is a religion of plunder and murder and bigotry. Come on, saints. It is not based upon the scripture. Their prophet was a murderer. He was a liar. Well, hallelujah. And those who truly believe him in reality, if you understand the truth, those who practice jihad are the ones who saying what he said. They're living what their prophet done because that's what he done when he was here. So I wonder why these folks who leave the message don't attack that instead of attacking us. Could anybody tell us where Brother Branham taught us to practice jihad? Do we crucify, kill, murder, uh, behead or anybody that leaves our church? Do we tell you what you can do as far as in the sense of coming in your home and regulating your life and telling you you can trade cars on this day and you can go on a vacation this day? Of course we don't do such nonsense. But why do they have to turn against this? Cause that devil inside of them, that evil spirit, many of them have crossed the line, they'll never be back. never be back and that evil spirit hates it because the light of the gospel is right where the evening light is. There is no light in his arm. There is no light in the majority of the denominational system. They are in gross darkness, but Satan hates the light. Where's the light? Where Jesus is. Where's Jesus? Where the Word is. Well, thou hast said in thine heart, "I will, Allah, into heaven, I will exalt mine." Notice all the possessives now: I and I, and me and mine and my. I'd imagine it would probably shock most of us if we would listen to ourselves for one week and record every word we say and see how much of his language we still use. I and me and mine and... You you need to go to my doctor because my doctor is better than your doctor. It's amazing how it infiltrates our life. Every aspect of our life of this I will. You should come to my church because my church. Which is really the greatest part about that saying, my or church. So then if you leave and go to another church then, so that church is no longer the my church, right? Because you're no longer there. You took your my with you. So that great pastor and them great singers and them great deacons and musicians are no longer great, because you're no longer there. So actually it wasn't the church that was great, it was you and the church that made the church great. Well, it's getting warm in here already. (laughs) Can't you see, friends? Why the Lord Jesus, when He comes, He doesn't go around. I heal the sick. I raise the dead. I cast out devils. I do this and I do that. He said, I can do nothing except my Father shows me. I do nothing on my own. It's my Father. I do what I hear my father say. That's all I know to do. And you imagine Satan looking at him and saying, Who is this guy? He can't be real. That can't be God. Don't you see the veil? The veil of God was hid in humility, not pride. For thou hast set in thy soul, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. Stars. Kokob. Huh? Messiah, brothers? Youth? Numerous progeny? Personification? Oh, he's not talking about Pluto and Saturn and Arcturusia. How did he know the Messiah had brothers? They wasn't in personal existence yet. (laughs) I will exalt my throne above the Messiah's brothers lord children don't you understand this very scripture is what you and i battle to this very day Amen. the i will of satan that we inherited by our first birth still wants to exalt his throne above the more the converted seed gene of the messiah in your soul right. he's still trying to do the very same thing that he claimed thousands of years ago i from inside their flesh i'll conquer them i'll bring them subject go ahead and give them the holy ghost go ahead and let them be baptized in jesus name go ahead and give them a prophet do all you want to do but i still make my claim i will exalt my throne in their flesh i'll be a thorn every day they get up because i hate them because they're yours hallelujah I will exalt my throne above the stars of God I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation Moedi appointed place appointed time meeting appointed sign slash signal tent of meeting tent of meeting tent he makes his clam I'll tell you God what I'll do I contaminated it every man, every woman, every boy, every girl. When the sons of God in Genesis 6 took the daughters of men and they crossed the sea line, I ruined your entire program. You'll never get another man that's untainted. But God had a secret. (laughs) amen Satan thought he had every one of them and he did all of those that were born between a man and a woman (laughs) hallelujah but God had this secret which the devil did not understand in eternity he looked right at him and couldn't understand him. He saw the Logos and couldn't understand him. He saw Michael and couldn't understand him. It was a mysterious part of God that he kept secret. So Moses comes, false. David comes, false. Jonah comes, false. He says, this whole thing, I've sewed up the entire race. And I know he can't come down. Oh, are you sure you know that? <laughs> now he can't come down in that form. You see it in church? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation and the sides of the north. Notice he ain't claiming the bar room. He said nothing about the brothel, but he wants the church. He wants our church. He wants our people. He wants our children. We refuse. Amen. Notice this Psalms forty-eight two. Beautiful for situation. The joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north. The city of the great king. God said Zion is the sides of the north. And the north means the flank, the open recess, the side of the tent, the tabernacle, by which the veil wrapped around which God entered into. Mm. Satan said, I want to go into the flanks on the north side. God said you want the sides of the north? I'm going to give you the sides of the pit. (laughs) Why? He wants God's personal property. Can't you see what he's done since the church was formed? Trying to gain access into the harem of Adonai. Lord have mercy. I will ascend above the heights. Listen to him. I will. I will. I will. I will. I am. Me. Mine. I think. I believe. I think. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Notice in Matthew chapter 4, verse 8, when the Lord Jesus is here, and Satan comes to him after he receives the fullness of the river. Again, the devil takes him up into an exceeding high mountain and shows him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. Brother Branham said, What a creature. So Satan breaks into the fourth dimension, which past, present, and future is accessible. The other passage in the scripture, more in the other the gospel, says, In a moment of time. So the prophet said he showed him America. It wasn't even in existence yet. He showed him the great kingdoms. didn't show him the slum areas now. But he showed him the beauty of Chicago. Showed him the outer loop. Showed him Philadelphia. Showed him Los Angeles. Showed him all the kingdoms of the world that was then and whatever been said, they're all mine. I'll give them every one to you. All I want is one simple thing. Worship me. What's all this compared to that? Money, wealth, women, fame, popularity, anything you want. This is mine. I'm only asking for one simple thing. That one simple thing was a whole lot more complex than what it sounded. Can you imagine as a man, Jesus was tempted to take it. Not so much to worship Satan. But to spare him of the cross. The prophet said he was tempted. He wouldn't have to die. But what good would America done him? Europe, Asia, Africa. If he didn't have a bride. Because if he would have made the deal right there. You would have still to this day not been born. Which means you could have never been Reborn. So Jesus would have had America, the earth, Europe, and had it all by himself. Yeah. He knows them lonesome feelings. Was it a day, a week, a month? Till actually drove Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden. Yeah. And they would come down in the garden. he would say, I can't take it. I can't take it here. It ain't the same without Adam and Eve. I'm leaving too. And God left the garden and allowed the desert sands to change the face of the Garden of Eden forever. She's located somewhere in the land of Egypt. So the prophet said, that's good enough for me. I don't need a bunch of scientists to go down there with a bunch of glasses and try to look for it. He saith unto him, all these things will I give thee, if thou, one thing, one thing, simple, simple. If thou will fall down and worship me. Simply, not long. Dispare obeisance. Lucifer, you're you're so, you're so, uh, you're such a liar. And you're so evil in you. A real child of God, a real son of God, a God of God, let him offer you the world. Let him offer you all the things of the world. You ain't going to bow your knee to that devil. Why? It's not in you. It used to be in you, but it ain't in you no more. <laughs> How can I worship a liar, a thief, a murderer, destroyer? <laughs> then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, Satanos, Satanos. For it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God. And him only shalt thou serve. Notice the name Lucifer, morning star. He tries to impersonate the Lord Jesus. Revelation 22, 16, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and offspring of David, the bright and the morning star. I will be like the Most High, displays his basic strategy, which started before the earth ever began. And it has run true to where we are in 2020. And we are living in the very generation, I believe, that he will become the vicar of the house of God, what is called the house of God. And the third temple will be rebuilt. And he will actually walk in there and sit in the house of God. Make a covenant with the Jews. Thank God we'll be enjoying the marriage supper of the Lamb. Amen. Notice this, Isaiah 14 again, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Now just run a parallel to this in 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen from the New Testament. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers. Wow. So those on Satan's side aren't always the ones sitting around in recliners and drinking sweet tea and not doing nothing. A lot of false prophets work hard. A lot of false workers work hard. Notice what Paul calls them. Deceitful workers transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. So they have a a power within them to transform themselves from the inside out. They can talk, walk, use the same verbiage, the same language as true apostles. Boy, y'all sure are quiet this morning. False workers that are in the labor, that they're right in the vineyard. My, they're right there with the real ones. Except they always have a selfish motive and objective. Yeah. Trying to build something for themselves. Deceitful, of course. They, in this, in this false manner, will constantly taking the gospel and twisting it around so that it does not lead you to the person of Christ, but unto their leadership transforming themselves into the apostle of Christ. Not so much just putting on the same color suits and the same kind of shoes and same color tie and all that, but their mannerisms and their talk. They're not going to be out there in the Baptist church. They're going to be in ours. They don't believe in apostles. We do. Notice this, and we'll close yours shortly. Verse 14, And no marvel for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light so you imagine the great church age messengers is in his room one night and a being appears before him with a crown and a robe and he says Martin do you know me? I'm Jesus, fall down and worship me. Martin looked at him. And he looked at him and said, Martin, don't you know me? Don't you know who I am? He said, Satan? (laughs) In the name of Jesus, He said, you've got a crown on your head and the Bible tells me the saints will crown him. So you know what Martin Dunn, he judged his supernatural experience by the word and it didn't line up by the word so he knew it was the devil. You and I ought to do the same thing. That shows how spiritual you really are. Now watch, it has been said that Satan reveals himself and comes against the people of God. In three forms, and that is in the form of a serpent, in the form of a lion, and in the form of an angel of light. In the form of an angel of light is always going to be in the realm of religion, by which he supposedly is bringing you more light on something than you apparently kind of believe, but you really don't understand it. So he wants to help you. No, thank you. I don't want a match from the devil. I don't want a flashlight from the devil. I don't want an incandescent bulb, a fluorescent bulb. I don't want an LED. I don't want none of his light. I see what his light done to Eve. I see what he's done to me. So keep your light, devil. I want the light of God. But he comes as an angel of light, and for those who long for the supernatural, and they long to be something they're not called to be, that's where he gets them, right there, hook, line, and sinker. But as the subtle serpent, he will come and try to twist God's truth with the hiss of the serpent, interpreting God's word with his own intellectual conception, with the roar of the lion through the church ages as he brought an assault against the kingdom of God. You know yourself, if you really think about your life, these are the three avenues by which he comes and disguises himself. If he cannot pull you away by a false light, then he will try to come by his subtlety and twist the word in your mind. If if that don't work. He'll send all persecution against you. Send the people you work with against you. Your family against you. Make everything make you make you convinced. Everybody's against you. One or the other of them, he'll try to work against you. But if we're real children of God, we put on the whole armor of God, and we're against his lies. We're against his subtle serpent tongue, and we're against the tribulation that he sends, and we'll withstand them all because we have a mighty conqueror. He likes to use the serpent form. Oh my goodness, some of y'all just rolled your toes up in your shoes, didn't you? Notice this in verse 15. Therefore it is no great thing if his... Satan has preachers. As a matter of fact, he's got a lot more than God does. In reality, God don't need that many. God don't need millions times millions times millions times millions and run them out through, a you know, an incubator style and just send them out. No, God, oh God meets them, each individual, by the pillar of fire. He calls them. He actually gives them that before they was ever born again. If you're a preacher, you was born with that gift in you. It was in you whenever you come out of your mother's womb. Well, that's the message of the hour. It was in you then. Oh, my. And yet Satan wants to mimic that. Why? He saw what God did with them. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness. So they carry a Bible and a spoken word book. Look at their belt buckle. Eagle. Whoops, mine ain't. Open their wallet. Picture Brother Branham. Picture the cloud. Look on their license plate tag. Look on the mirror, hanging across. Yep, believer. Uh, there's a license plate. There's a the belt buckle. Uh, you ever been to Arizona? Yeah, you've been to Jefferson Hill? Yeah, boy, to God, You're a believer. <laughs> oh, my goodness. They pretend to have such piety, such benevolence, and are serpent seed. let's get down here brother Daniel to Isaiah chapter 14 verse 15 he says I'll ascend above the heights of the clouds in verse 14 I'll be like the most high but this is what God says and after all this is really what matters yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit you don't get the church I do but you get the pit wanting my wife you wanted my woman you wanted my bride devil you tried to flirt with her you tried to commit adultery with her then when she wouldn't commit adultery you beat her down with sickness you beat her down with oppression. but now I am In that day. Let me close. And they that see thee shall narrowly. Oh, he's convinced you have to have extra, 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 extra wide screen to see him. Oh, my arms can't even go far enough back how big the devil is. But God said, they that look at you when I bring you down will narrowly look at you. And consider these saying, it's this. Not the God. So here's glorified saints of God looking at him and saying, Is this the mighty, omnipotent, all-knowing, all-wonderful? We'll look at him and say, That's him? Is this the man that made the earth to tremble? That did shake kingdoms? That made the world... As a wilderness and destroy the cities thereof that open not the house of his prisoners God goes on to tell him I will lay thee before kings Let me close with this. So which will is prevalent in our hearts today? The I will of Isaiah 14. Or the will of him who was in the garden of Gethsemane. And Gethsemane means the garden of the olive press. So they would take the olives. The olive tree is still there to this day and run them through the press. The first run is what many of you sisters like to buy to bake in. It's lighter, it's finer, ultra-fine, ultra-light, extra-light, depending on who you buy it from. That's the first run. Then they run again and press it again. It's more yellow, more tainted. Sometimes three runs, big fat olives, sometimes four, which is they use for lanterns and different poultices and things like that. Each time they run it, it's less pure. So here he is in the garden of Gethsemane being run through God's olive press. There was myriads of angels hovering near him in the garden of Gethsemane. He said, don't you know that I could ask my father right now and 12 legions of angels would come? They come and get him around 2.30 a.m. in the morning. They beat him, they whip him, they slap him. He goes through six different stages of trials, which were mock trials. He tells them in John, this is your hour and the power of darkness. He also tells them in St. John 14, the prince of this world cometh. And I love these words. And he shall find nothing in me. When I leave this world, I want that to have been my testimony. The very man that Satan thought would never exist because Satan had something in everyone that was born after Genesis 6. But Jesus said, He'll find out he has nothing in me. No deposit no return, no deposit, no weakness, no deposit, no attachment of sin. Amen. Imagine by then, the devil might have been getting a little bit nervous and con- really concerned about some of these words that was being said, but Jesus said, this is your hour and the hour of darkness. Did you ever wonder why when Jesus, when they come and get him and he says, I was with you in the temple daily, why didn't you get me then? Why? They were afraid in broad daylight. So when did they come? Darkness. They were mirroring the kingdom they were acting in proxy for. This is your hour and the power of darkness. So they were acting in spiritual darkness and they felt more safe and secure. Come and get him. By their own tribunal law, they broke the laws of Moses they hired an accuser against him. It was against the law of the Sanhedrin to even meet at night. They broke their own laws to do it. Why? Darkness. And they were so against him, they hated him. And he became the common enemy of Pharisee, Sadducee, Essene, Herodian, all of them. They fussed and fought and carried on until they all had one common enemy. The world has one common enemy that it's going to head up towards. It's going to be the bride. Before she leaves in the rapture, it'll be the 144,000 after the bride is gone. And they'll all wind up in Armageddon. Amen. They can't get along now. They fuss and fight and carry on. But once Satan gets them, one main enemy, they'll all focus toward that enemy. Amen. Now here he comes to the most difficult part. Father, if it be thy will... Let this cup pass from me. He didn't want to die. He loved life. Wanted to live with his brothers. But the lamb must embrace the surrender of will. The lamb must take this within himself and slay I will. Before the Romans ever touch him. Nevertheless, Father, not my will, but Thou will be done. His heart is now breaking. The blood and water separated in the body. The blood pressure starts going up and down. He starts seeing blurred vision. He says words out of his mouth that might be even a little bit twisted to the apostles. They can't understand it because this is going on inside of his body. And most important of all, the Spirit left him. He's not just saying, I'll die. He's not just saying, I'll be crucified. But he's saying, I'm willing to go from here without you. So the anointing. Oh, Father. 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 Father, as a man, he hangs there on the cross. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Forsaken by man, forsaken by God, forsaken by angels. No doubt there were multiplied thousands of demons as they gathered on Golgotha and Satan, who is it? Who is he? Pilate and Marvin said, who are you? What are you? Are you a king? To this end I was born. Oh, then you are king. If you're a king, then let your people fight. If my kingdom was of this world, my followers would fight. To this end, I was born. Don't you know I've got the power to set you free? You would have no power over me if my father had not have given it to you. Imagine Pilate looked at him, and he looked at him, So finally one day, over near Luzon, Switzerland, to where the waters bubble up blue from the depths of the earth, he takes his life, remembering it day after day, week after week. I find no fault in this man. Don't let that be your testimony. Oh, I really don't find no fault with the message. I mean, I think Brother Darn's a good man. I, I-, I think Happy Valley, yeah, if I was going to live right, I- I'd go there, but I just, I really don't find no fault with it, really. I- so what? What? You want to let him die for you in vain? And condescend and empty himself out while you fill yourself up with carnality, worldliness. Lord Jesus. It's it. Satan said, I'll go up. Jesus said, I'll go down. Satan said, I'll exalt myself above the Messiah's brothers. Jesus said, I'll go down and become. price to pay for my brothers. Satan said, I'll bind them. I'll get them to doing everything in the world. Jesus said, I'll go down and make them free. Praise God. All he's waiting for today, friends, is for our will to be able to line up with his will. When you and I can make harmony with this part of the sheet music of God, I believe that we'll see things happen in our lives that we've never seen before. Is there anybody here today that wants that more than anything in the world? You want God's will for your life? You housewives, you brothers that are in business and machinists or painters or whatever more. Including, of course, ministers as well. But all of us, that should be the very desire of our hearts. He made a way that the I will in us, could be surrendered to thy will, Father. Once you surrender it, will it ever raise its head again? Of course it'll try its best to every day that you live. Because his claim of Isaiah 14, he's still trying to claim it. Sure he is. I will exalt my throne above your sons, the Messiah's brothers. So every day we meet it. That's why the scripture tells us, let not therefore sin reign in your mortal body. And Paul is directing that to born again saints. Let not sin therefore reign. And the word reign is the Greek word basilio, which means to be king, to rule over, to reign over. So don't let sin be the king in your mortal body. Isn't it amazing? Paul didn't say that about the soul. Why? It couldn't be. If you're born again, it can't be. That throne has been cast down and will forever be the throne of Jesus Christ. But he'll still try to exalt himself in our flesh. Heavenly Father, thank you for the word today, Lord. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you'd help each of us. As we look at two great kings... We see one whose omnipotence is so great. His greatness goes beyond even what our little minds can comprehend. He never started. He never ended. He is the eternal. And we love thinking about that. That is wonderful. But the more I hear these things, the more I realize your greatness was not just expressed in the realm of eternity. But it was expressed in this little block of time, this little loop that fell out of time. There your greatness is expressed in suffering, in pain, and agony and sorrow and humility. Then you raised up your humanity and glorified it and raised it up to set right on the throne of the Shekinah. Not two gods, not two beings. The same God in spirit form become the same God in human form. Raises up that human form, ascended on high, comes back in the form of the Holy Ghost, which is called the Son of God. To overcome in the lives of his children. You've been doing this now for 2,000 years. Overcoming in the lives of your children. Lord Jesus, help us today. May we be honest and open with ourselves. May we allow you, the Spirit of God, to look at our lives and see if we find our stubbornness. Well, I don't think I need to go to church. I don't think I need to hear an old prayer. I don't think. I don't think. And really question ourselves and think, now, is that Christ in me saying that? Or is that that old one converted flesh of mine? Well, I think our church is better than everybody else's. I think this. I think Help us, Lord, to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. The scripture tells us if we will humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, resist the devil, and he will flee from us. So I wonder then if we look at that Lord in the way of pride and pomp, if we humble ourselves, he will flee. What will he do if we exalt ourselves? I wonder if that's not like a magnet that draws him to us. Forgive us, Lord. We love you today, Lord Jesus. May we stand at our feet. All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. Can we make that our prayer today as we sing it together? His presence day.
2: So blessed, aren't we? Amen. Yeah. Thank you. I'm very grateful to have a brother that puts his life aside like this to bring us the word. It's, it's, it's more of a blessing than we can describe. Let's bow our heads. Father, we're coming to the place in time, Lord, where as a body we're beginning to see that all is vanity. There is nothing, Lord, here in this earth that the devil has to offer that would mean anything to us. Our very, our very lives, Lord, sometimes we look at them and we just think, when is this vapor going to pass and we're going to finally be in your presence? And, Lord, not to, not to say that we're overcome by, by, that, by a depressing feeling or anything like that, but it's just that the value of you and what you've given us and what you mean to us outweighs everything else by so much, Lord. We just want your will in our lives. We want your will in our families. We want to see this great love grow among us, Lord, as a body. We want to unify, Lord, the way you would have us to unify in the spirit of the the Holy Ghost, Lord. Not, Not this fake unity that's out there in the world. But, Lord, we're so grateful for what you're bringing us, for what you're showing us, for what you're revealing, Lord. The more you show yourself, the more we love you, Lord. There's just times where it gets so close that we just feel like the... The sky's going to roll back right now. We're just going to leave right now. I know we have to be patient. We have to wait on your timing, Lord, and your will. But please come quickly, Lord. This is, this is just, we, we don't have anything here. We don't want anything here. There's nothing here for us. We just want you, Lord. Lord, thank you for everything. Lord, I don't even know where to begin, but Lord, I know this. You've given us a place to come where we can hear the truth. It's precious to us, Lord. It's more precious than any king's jewels or or gold or, or anything they may have stored up, Lord. And we know that that'll all come to nothing. This is precious. This is what has value. It's what you'll give us, Lord. Oh, Father, we thank you so much. Keep your bride safe till we can come back together again, Lord, if it be your will. And just watch over us and help us to grow closer to you, Lord, every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go in the fear of the Lord, saints. God bless you. Amen. give myself away.
1: I give myself away. So you can use me. I give myself away. so I give myself to you. I give myself.